0: Sure. Oh. can make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. What was dead now lives again. Joy and destiny, oh, because oh. you're restoring me piece by piece. There's nothing too dirty that you can make worthy. You wash. There's nothing too dirty that you can make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. Washed in the blood, Your blood flowed red and made me white my dirty wrecks are purified I'm clean I'm clean washed in the blood of your sacrifice your blood flowed red
1: Isn't that a beautiful song? Yes. And she sang it so well, too. And it's a newer one. And what beautiful words. As we sit here today, if we know the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior, we're not dirty anymore. We're not defiled by sin anymore. We're not far from God anymore. We've been brought near by the blood of Christ. He's washed us. He's cleansed us. And He only has to do that once. And He died for us so that we can have that forgiveness of sins. What a beautiful song. What a beautiful truth for all of us that have been washed in the blood. And if you're here today and you've never been washed in the blood, today's the day to give your life to the Savior because He can wipe the slate clean. All your past sins, all your present sins, all your even future sins can be washed away in a moment of time when you accept Christ as your Savior. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Our blessed Heavenly Father, we thank you that we've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed by his precious blood. And we just pray, Lord, that as we listen to the message this morning that you will touch our hearts, speak to us by the Holy Spirit, convict us where it's needed, Lord, encourage us and comfort us where it's needed. We thank you that your word is it's purposeful, it's strong, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And we pray that you will have your work in us individually today through the Word and that we will go home, changed people, closer to you, more obedient, more faithful. And we just pray, Lord, that you will hide me behind the cross and speak through us, to us and through us today. And we just pray that your Word would touch our hearts. And we just pray in Jesus' name, amen. On February 9th, 1996, which seems like quite a long time ago, but in the history of the country, it's not that long ago, there was a railroad train heading from Waldrick, New Jersey to Hoboken. And it ran through a red signal and smashed into the side of another train at a crossing. The crash killed both engineers of both trains and one of the passengers and injured 158 aboard those two trains. One year later, the NTSB, National Transportation Safety Board, announced the results of its investigation into the cause of the crash and the accident. The engineer of the train that ran the red signal was going blind. According to Matthew Wald of the New York Times, for nine years the engineer had been progressively going blind because of diabetes. He and his doctor both knew it, but they kept the secret to themselves, no doubt for fear of losing his job. And the doctor, who reportedly knew that his patient was a railroad engineer, had not reported the man's condition to the railroad. New Jersey requires its engineers have a physical exam every year by the company's own occupational medical specialist. But each year, the engineer had always answered no to the question about whether he had diabetes, and no as to whether he was under another doctor's care. He had eye surgery twice, but apparently paid for it out of pocket rather than file insurance claims. Says Wald, unfortunately, the truth came out in a deadly way. You know, we live in a world where people keep secrets. And secrets can be be really bad. They can be deadly, as in this story. Some secrets are good to keep secrets, but for the most part, as Christians, we don't want to have secrets. We don't want to have secret sins, secret lives. We want to have our lives like an open book before the Lord and others, not like a secret diary. But so many people keep their secrets to themselves. We oftentimes hear in political campaigns, that candidate, whether it's a man or a woman, has skeletons in their closet. Skeletons in the closet. That's what it means. You have a secret past. You've kept it to yourself, but now all of a sudden it's been revealed. And sometimes with the internet, and it goes viral, your whole past, your whole secret life can be come crumbling down on you, and it can all be exposed in an instant. I remember a number of years ago, there was Gary Hart, the politician, who was young and vibrant, and he was one of the leading candidates of the Democratic Party to win the presidency. And it came out that he had a secret affair with a woman, and it destroyed his political career. Destroyed him. Secrets can destroy us. Secret sins can ruin us. Secret lives can hinder us. And we don't want that. The Bible says in Psalm 19 and verses 12 and 13, Who can understand his error? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. God wants us to be honest, to tell the truth, to keep short accounts with him, and when we sin, to confess it immediately and to not keep secrets. In our lives. Today we're going to look at three things in regard to secret sins and secret lives. Number one, nothing, and I mean nothing, can be hidden from the Lord. Nothing. Number two, nothing that is hidden that will not one day be revealed. And third, nothing works except confession, repentance, and forsaking of sin. You know, you can't hide anything from the Lord. Imagine, the God who sees everything, the God who hears everything, the God who knows everything, already knows your secrets. He already knows all about you. He knows your past. He knows all your sins. And still, He loves you. Still, He wants to forgive you and He wants to cleanse you. Someone said one time, God has a huge eraser, and He wants to erase our sins, erase our past. The devil is so foolish, and he sells the lie that you can keep a secret from God, that somehow you can hide it. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they were so ashamed, they knew they were naked, and it says they hid themselves among the trees in the garden. And God called out to them, and it says in Genesis chapter 3, 8 to 10, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? He knew where Adam was, but he wanted Adam to see where he was and to acknowledge it. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Ever since that moment that Adam committed that sin and hid himself from God, people have been trying to hide their sins from God ever since. They've been trying to hide their sins from others ever since. They've been trying to live a lie ever since. And that's not how God wants his people to live. You can't live a life of peace if you have secret sins. You can't live a life of joy if you're living a secret life. You can't live in harmony with the Lord's will if you're hiding that from him. God sees everything. He hears everything. It says in Hebrews 4.13 some very convicting words. It says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. One day, every human being, every man and every woman will one day stand before God and give an account. And he wants us to be honest and sincere, and to live lives that are transparent. That's his desire for us. It's futile to try to hide from the omniscient and omnipotent and omnipresent God. I love this verse in Psalm 90 and verse 8 where it says, You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. God wants us to repent, confess, and forsake our sins. The devil has spewed so many lies. And one of the lies is that, don't expose it, you'll be embarrassed. Don't expose it, you'll feel really bad. Everybody will find out. Don't don't say anything. Just keep it all secret. Keep it hush-hush. No, that doesn't work. God says, bring it out into the open, into the light of my word. Let me shine my light on your word and forgive you and give you the victory. That's God's way. The devil's way does not ever work. It says in Psalm 20, Proverbs 28 and verse 13, he who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes it or them, will have mercy. Someone once said, whenever, God is, whenever man rather is ready to uncover his sins, God is ready to cover them. And that is so true. If we ever bring up our sins from the past, God will say, what sins? Because when he forgives, he forgets. He forgives and he forgets. But we have to come to him. We have to be honest before him. We have to confess it. And he will forgive us. We all know the story of David. We all wonder how King David could have committed those two very atrocious sins of adultery and murder, but he did. And he was living with it. And he didn't confess it to the Lord. And he suffered spiritually, he suffered mentally, he suffered emotionally, and he suffered in every possible way, physically, because of his sin. And it says in Psalm 32 and verses 3 to 5 that he did get the victory, though. It says, When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you. And here's where the victory comes. And my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. When the prophet Nathan went in to talk to David and he told this story and everything about the, the rich man and the poor man and the, poor, the rich man had a guest come over and, and, the, and the rich man went to, uh, to uh, prepare a meal and instead of taking one of his herd to do it, he went to his poor neighbor and took the one little lamb that that neighbor had that was like a pet lamb to him and his children and took that lamb and sacrificed it. And David got so angry, he said, that man doesn't deserve to live. And Nathan said, you're the man. Or as it can actually be translated, you the man in the original Hebrew. You the man, like we had that expression a number of years ago. You the man. You're the one, David. You did that. You took Uriah's wife and then you had Uriah killed out on the battlefield. And David felt bad. He felt horrible. He felt guilty until he confessed it to the Lord and the Lord forgave him and restored him and he can forgive us and he can restore us. Bill McDonald wrote a book. It's a little pamphlet. If you ever get a chance to pick one up, you can probably still get it called, There Is a Way Back to God. There is a way back to God. It's not an easy way, but it's a way, and it's the right way to acknowledge it, confess it, and forsake it. So number one, nothing can be hidden from the Lord. Nothing. Secondly, nothing is hidden that will not be revealed. If we don't reveal it, God will make sure it gets revealed. And that's the challenge of it. The Lord Jesus said in Luke chapter 8 and verse 17, For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Boy, can you imagine if you were to tell the politicians about that? <laughs> oh, boy. You can have no secrets, Mr. Mr. Politician or Miss Politician, you can have no secrets that are not going to be revealed. And that's a spiritual principle. There's a story of a man named Achan in the Old Testament in the days of Joshua. And God had made known through Moses and Joshua that they were not to take any of the contraband of the city where they went to in Jericho. They conquered the city of Jericho, they won the victory, they were not to take any of it for themselves. But Achan did, and he tried to hide it under his tent. And when the Israelites went out to fight the second battle, which is in the little city of Ai, they didn't even think they needed to send very many soldiers, it was such a tiny little place, but they came back defeated. They were so sorrowful. Joshua was on the ground. He was in agony because of the defeat. They couldn't figure out, why, Lord, are we defeated before our enemies? And the Lord says, there's sin in the camp. There's sin in your midst. It's got to be dealt with. Right now it's secret. Right now it's hidden. It's got to be brought to light. It's got to be dealt with now. Get up, Joshua, and deal with it. And they took a, a, a lot. They cast lots, and they they took it all the way down from the tribe down to to the father, down to the son Achan. And they said, what have you done? And he confessed it in Joshua chapter 7 and verses 20 to 21. It says, indeed I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and took them, and there they are hidden in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. Amazing. God exposed his sin. And it was interesting because it was the, the, it was the next day that they did that. Can you imagine? He didn't sleep well that night. I'm sure he didn't sleep well that night at all. And then when the next morning came and they, Joshua says, tell us, what did you do? And he explained. And then he was judged. He was expo- His sin was exposed. He was stoned to death and burned with fire. And you say, well, why did he get such a severe penalty for that? because he caused the nation to be defeated before her enemies. He caused the other nations to think that they could defeat them. He caused the people of God so many problems. And when we hold on to our sin and we have secret lives and secret sins, it doesn't just hurt us. It hurts our families, our wives and our husbands, our children. It hurts the whole church. It hurts the congregation, and it hurts the whole church as the the body of Christ. And that's what happened with Achan, and so they had to deal with it very severely because God takes sin very seriously. In Numbers chapter 32, we have the famous words that were spoken by Moses to the three and a half tribes that took their inheritance on the east side of the Jordan instead of going into the promised land and they promised, we'll fight with you until your inheritance is gained on the west side in the land of Canaan and then we'll go back and we'll live there and Moses said, okay, that's your promise but he said this in Numbers 32, 23 but if you do not do so, then take note you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out There's kind of a funny story that was told years ago about a snake named Nagosa, the snake. And this snake used to go inside the chicken house and get the eggs every night. That snake would slither in, undetected, while people were sleeping, and it would grab an egg and take it and eat it. And the next morning they come out to get the eggs, they're gone, the snake ate the eggs. So what are we going to do? Well, one day the man thought of an idea. I'm going to make a hard boiled egg. So he took the egg and he took it in the house and he hard boiled it up nice and hard. And then when the snake slithered in that night to eat that egg, it got stuck in its throat. And the man was able to kill the snake and end it. And that's the way it is with our sin that can be exposed, it's going to get exposed it's going to come to pass we have to be those who are honest and sincere nowadays sin is everywhere it's on the internet it's in television it's in movies it's in magazines it's everywhere and the devil wants to take you and i down he wants to take us down and he wants us to suck us into this into the sin so that he can take us down and that's why we have to deal with our sin And God wants us not only not to have any secret sin, but he doesn't want us to have any secret lives either. Sometimes I think it would be surprising to find out that we live one life at church and we we live so well and look so good and say all the right words and everything. Then we go out during the week and we live a different life. It's called a double life. And it's not good for any Christian to live a double life. We have to live the same. We have to be the same at work or at school or at home. In the community, wherever we go, God wants us to live the same way as that. The story is told of a man named Phil. He spent years hiding his addiction to pornography. Shortly after his marriage to his wife, Michelle, she was stunned when he revealed his shameful secret. Together they are struggling to rebuild their trust in their marriage. You know, these kinds of sins, these secret sins, will eat us up from the inside. They will eat us up with guilt. And God doesn't want that. In 1 Timothy 5.24 it says, Some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment. But those of some men follow after. Some people, you can see it. Obvious sins, no problem. Others, their sins follow after. In other words, it'll catch up with them. It'll catch up with them. Sometimes I'm driving down the road, and I see this car. And it comes flying by on my left side, maybe 90 miles an hour, maybe faster. I think to myself, that person's eventually going to get caught. And eventually, they're going to get a ticket. And they're going to have to pay a fine. And it's going to be points on their driver's side. I'm thinking of this, right? And I'm driving along. And I'm thinking, it's going to catch up with them one day. It really is. And it's going to be costly. And that's the good part. That's the positive part. They could get into an accident and kill themselves or kill somebody else. So you think they're getting away with it. They're really not getting away with it. You know who else lived a secret life in the Bible was Samson. Remember, he had that secret life. Uh, One day when he was out uh, in the wilderness, he killed a lion, and then bees came, and they were inside the carcass of the lion, and it created honey. And he gave some of that honey to his parents, and he never told them where it came from. He didn't tell them the source of it, and it ended up causing many, many problems because that would cause a Jew to be ceremonially unclean, and they didn't even know it. And then worse than that, he had that secret affair with Delilah. And we all know his secret affair with Delilah became exposed. He lost his uh, freedom, and he even lost his life. They plucked out his eyes, and, and it was only by God's mercy. But it's a sad thing. So... Nothing can be hidden from the Lord, and nothing that is hidden will, not, it will be revealed. And third, nothing works except confession, repentance, and forsaking of the sin. We have to come clean. We have to come clean. Just like in that song Taylor was singing, we have to come clean. 1 John 1.9 is very familiar to us. Many of us have memorized it. It says in 1 John 1.9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we don't deal with it, the guilt will start to pile up on us in such a severe way that it will take us down. Someone once said, guilt is like the red warning light on your car, in your car dashboard. You can either stop and deal with the trouble, or you can break the light. I think too many people today are breaking the light. You know, if if the check engine light comes on, you can either go deal with it, or you can wait and see what happens, but it could ruin your car, and you could end up with a huge, huge bill. The scene was in a courtroom in San Diego Superior Court where two men were on trial for armed robbery. An eyewitness took the stand, and the prosecutor moved carefully. So you say you were at the scene where the robbery took place? Yes. And you saw a vehicle leave at a high rate of speed? Yes, that's right. And did you observe the occupants? Yes. There were two men, and the prosecutor boomed. Are those two men present in the court today? At this point, the two defendants sealed their fate. They both raised their hands. (laughs) That's what guilt does to us, right? That's what guilt does to us. People will come forward and confess it. We've seen it happen. There have been people that have committed crimes of hit-and-run accidents and they feel so guilty. They see on TV that someone was killed by the accident. They, they feel the guilt of that, and they will feel it for the rest of their lives. And they go into the court. They go into the police station. I was the one who did it. I was the one who stole it, or I was the one who committed that crime. And they want to get it off their chest. Because God never wants us to hold on to these things. He wants us to come and bring it before him. And he will forgive us. There was a a new new convert. He was a Chinese convert over, over in China. He was new to the faith. And one of his fellow countrymen was trying to tempt him to cheat. And there's a lot of cheating scandals going on in the country right now here in the United States. Upon his refusal, his tempter asked why. He said, because there will be three will know that I've cheated, replied the native Christian. You will know, I will know, and heaven will know. And that's true. He says, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to cheat. He said, this applies to all lands. All things are naked and open to him who we have to, to do. Kind of a funny story was told of a man who lost his wallet. Have you ever lost your wallet with, the mon- with money in it, right? Credit cards, all that stuff, you lose your wallet. Well, this man lost his wallet, and he received a letter in the mail. And the letter said this, Sir, I found your wallet, and I feel so guilty that I'm returning some of your money. <laughs> <clears throat> and if guilt bothers me more, I'll send you more money. It's funny, but that's how we live. We try to get away with some things and keep it as long as we can. But there was a serious story that was told of what happened in a bank robbery in May of 1948. Three men robbed a bank in Hoyt, Kansas, and they got $1,000. Shortly after, two men were killed in an automobile accident, and the police thought the robbers were the ones who died in the accident, so they closed the case. Four years later, however, something very unusual happened. On a Sunday morning at the Seward Avenue Baptist Church, a young man named Al Johnson stepped to the pulpit and revealed to the congregation that the day before he had gone to the district attorney and confessed his role in the crime. I thought about the bank robbery many times, Johnson said. I was a teenager when that crime occurred. I prayed about it and asked the Lord to give me an answer, and it seemed he would give me only one answer, that I was to give myself up. Johnson also revealed he had borrowed the money to repay the bank his share of the stolen funds. The statute of limitations had expired, but Johnson said that even if it meant going to prison, he could not keep the secret any longer. Johnson agreed to help the authorities locate the two other men who had been involved in the robbery and that were previously believed to be involved in the car accident. So there were two others out there, too, and he did that. Sometimes we think the best approach is to hide our sin, to cover it up, but it's not. We can't get forgiveness from God unless we bring it under the light of his word. James 5.16 says, Confess your transgressions to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Another person in the Bible who kept his sin secret was Jonah. The Lord told Jonah, Jonah, go to Nineveh, preach the gospel, win the people there to, to me. What did he do? He ran the other direction. He got a ship going off in the other direction altogether. And there he was on the ship, and all of a sudden a storm hit. The people were fearful about losing their life, and they cast lots to see who was the guilty one, and it came to Jonah. And they knew that Jonah was on that ship because he was running away from God, and he was hiding it. And they threw Jonah into the water. And the large fish swallowed him up. And he was inside that belly of the fish. And God dealt with him. God forgave him. And God gave him another chance to do his will, which he did. We all know the story. But the old expression is very true. You can run, but you cannot hide. And you can never hide from God. We may keep secrets from each other. Nobody else in this world may know about it. But God knows it. We need to deal with it with Him. And sometimes we need to go back like Al Johnson did and make uh, restitution for things that we have done. But let's remember today, nothing can be hidden from the Lord. He sees everything. He hears everything. He knows everything. And to think we as human beings can hide anything from Him, it doesn't work. Didn't work for Adam. Didn't work for Achan. Didn't work for David, didn't work for Jonah. It doesn't work for us. We have to be honest before the Lord and have no secret sins and no secret lives. One day, it will all be revealed. May God help us. In Proverbs 9.17, it says, where the scripture says, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Those words were confirmed to be the devil's lies. Stolen water is sweet. It's stolen water. It seems so exciting. I'm getting away with it. I got this, I got that. I did this, I did that. Nobody will find out. I'll never get caught. The criminal never thinks he'll get caught or she'll ever get caught. But they do. They do. May the Lord help us to have honesty, to have sincerity, to have integrity, to take our sins and bring them into the light of God's word. It may be painful. It will be painful. But God will deal with it. He will forgive it. And we may have to go and ask others to forgive us too. And that can be embarrassing, yes. And it can be hard. But when we deal with it and it's behind us, that guilt is removed, that sin is gone, we can be thankful. And if you're here today and you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, He wants to forgive you. He loves you. He wants to take all your sins away. He wants to give you a new life and give you peace and joy in your life. He wants you to be with Him forever. But we have to deal with that sin issue. The sin issue is what keeps us from God. Our sins are like a wall between us and God. Jesus broke down the wall, and all we have to do is come to Him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've lived my whole life by my own plans, my own will. I've messed up everything. I've ruined my life and others' lives. Lord, please forgive me of my sin. I repent. I turn from it. I come to you, and God will forgive us, and he will give us eternal life, and he will put, take that frown and turn it into a smile. He'll take your guilt and remove it and give you joy and peace instead. May the Lord encourage our hearts to have no secret sins and no secret lives. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the conviction that we feel in our hearts, Lord. And if there's anyone here today who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, may today be the day that they invite him in to be Lord and Savior. Lord, we just pray for us as believers that we won't have any secret sins, Lord. We'll deal with them. We'll bring them and expose them by the Word of God. And Lord, help us not to live secret lives. Not live double lives. Not live lives that are uh, not transparent. Help us to live clean lives, Lord, we pray. And so we commit ourselves to you and pray you'll take us home safely today. And we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.